0: So settle in and get centered. This podcast is brought to you by Centered in the City, a virtual on-demand mindfulness and self-care platform designed to support you creating sustainable rituals and practices in your life so that you can feel more centered, calm, focused, and energized to handle the ups and downs and twists and turns of this modern day world. Learn more and sign up for your seven-day free trial at centeredinthecity.org. I am so excited to have Jeff Takeda here with us on the Center in the City podcast. Jeff is a veteran of the United States Marine Corps. He is also an active law enforcement agent with over 20 years of experience in the field. Jeff started the Takeda Training Concepts, which is a training company that provides meditation training for first responders and veterans. He's a longtime meditation practitioner, and he was trained at UCLA's Mindful Awareness Research Center, which is where Jeff and I know each other from. We did our training together. He is an amazing human with the biggest heart, and I am so excited to have him on the podcast to share his insights and wisdoms of how he uses his meditation practice in his line of work as well as how he's teaching other veterans and police officers how to use and incorporate meditation into their own lives. So settle in and let's get centered. Jeff, welcome to the Center in the City podcast.
1: Hi Wade, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to be here.
0: I am excited to have you as the first guest of this new season. And I want to begin by getting real with, you know, I've asked questions around like, what does centered mean to you? And what does self-care mean to you? But I'd like to go a little deeper and talk about, like, tell us a time when you weren't centered.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So real quick background, I'm, I'm a police officer, I've been a police officer for about 22 years. But the, the example that comes to mind, and um, I've talked about this before, actually, I was, uh, I'm a detective now, but I was working in an overtime patrol shift a couple of years ago and we went to a domestic violence call at a at a hotel and it ended up not being uh, actually domestic violence it just turned out to be an argument but on on the f- on the front end of it it seemed like it was something uh potentially really serious so uh we get there my partner and I get there and uh go up to the front desk and find out who's in the room get the names off the room and I run the names in the computer before we go and talk to these people and one of the people in there comes back it's a like got a 35 year old male. He's on, he's on probation, looking up his history. He's got, he's got a pretty decent criminal history, but he hasn't been in trouble for a while prior to gang member, that kind of thing. So anyway, we get, we get over there to the room, knock on the door. Um, I hear, uh, I hear a male voice really angrily like who the F is that and the door opens and this female answers the door and this woman answers the door and she's just in a towel. She looks really scared. She's talking really quietly and she says, uh, every, "Everything's fine." And my partner and I, are like, "No, there's something going on here." And we hear the guy yell again. So he's on—already know he's on probation. He's searchable. Like, I can go in that room. I can search him. You know, he, he doesn't—he uh, can't—he um, can't object to that. So I just—I just get angry, and I walk in the door, and I call him by his name because I knew his name from the record. And I come across him, like, "Hey, you need to listen to me. You need to be quiet. You need to." shut up and sit down and he takes kind of like a defensive posture and he's like, Hey, you can't just come in here. You know, I have rights, that whole kind of thing. And I just got, I got really angry and um, not centered. And I'd been practicing for a while. I've been practicing meditation for a while. And normally sometimes I get off center and just get caught up in that emotion and that anger. And sometimes that could end up leading to, you know, a bad outcome in this case. You know, just from, I've been a cop for over, you know, 20 years at that point. And um, like, I know, like I'm legally within my right to to be there. And I know just how he's posturing. Um, I'm within my right to get him to sit down, but, but I know just how this is going to go. Once I put my hand on him, it's it, a fight's going to be on. And I'm just letting the anger and the annoyance with the whole situation just kind of take me and just, I'm starting to roll with this this, okay, we're going to get in a fight. We're going to, this is, this is, you know, this has happened. I don't know how many times before. And I'm completely off center and just in, in the anger. But fortunately in this moment, I noticed the physical sensations of the anger. I noticed I was off. And that although I would, I was legally justified to guide him or put hands on him. I was able to kind of step back, come back to center, so to speak. And Deescalate the situation by simply just kind of stepping back taking a breath and I said hey man I think we got off on the wrong foot why don't we why don't we have a redo let's reset and he just kind of looked at me and I could just see see the tension release from his body and he said hey you know what uh you're right officer I was I was disrespectful to you I'm sorry and I s- stepped back and I said I'm sorry too and then we kind of we talked and we straightened it out there wasn't actually there wasn't actually any physical violence which is a verbal argument and as we left there interesting thinking about coming back to center as we left there even my partner mentioned he said it seemed like that the tension in the room had lifted and just kind of this homeostasis peaceful atmosphere kind of returned there so i you know i've heard you ask the question is what is being centered mean to you and i think it's kind of ties in here it's being 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 centered being uh aware of what's going on aware of what's going on in internally externally and um being able to be available for whatever's going on without getting caught up in your own thoughts your own emotions and really seeing what's there and, and the external environment kind of that's what i like one of the things i've noticed and that i like about law enforcement, is that we we usually, we get to situations that are very chaotic, we get to situations where they're completely out of control, high emotions, and usually when we get there, we're able to quickly in that moment, bring it to, bring every, get everybody to calm down, separate parties and talk to people reasonably, we stay calm, that usually makes other people calm, and at least in that moment, bring that tense situation to center to like a peaceful back to its like normal peaceful state or a state where hey now let's we can start talking to each other and working out working out problems and figuring out what's going on
0: wow that is such a powerful story and way to kick off our conversation today about this whole idea of awareness and being centered internally and externally of what's occurring in the present moment. And I love what you said of noticing the sensation of anger was like pulling, you could feel it physically Mm -hmm. pulling you off center. And I even noticed as you're describing this, your body language was leaning forward, (laughs) right? Like kind of off center and kind of as a coming out of you and that you could recognize that and feel that and able to ground yourself back and recenter to then create more spaciousness and it sounds like connection with this, with this guy in the hotel room. Mm-hmm. And then from that place, like maybe beautiful is a wrong word to use, yeah. but it sounds like a very nurturing conversation where both parties were able to be heard and respected, was able to happen
1: Yeah. We even actually had the, the guy and I, we actually, we were kind of joking and he was even after he apologized, he's like, Hey, yeah, sorry about that. And I said, yeah, man, I kind of came at you kind of hard and he's like, you know, just his terms to say, Hey man, we're, we're both men. We're, we're, we, 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 we're in the nature to kind of be aggressive towards each other. And it's like, he's like, I'm too old for that, that stuff anymore. And I said, yeah, yeah, me too. I'm like, I'm, I don't work patrol regularly anymore. Like I I don't need to be getting in fights with anybody. Mm -hmm. And then it makes me stop thinking about thinking back just about other, there's lots of times where we can not, not just in law enforcement, police work, but we can avoid confrontation, not, not avoid it. We can deescalate any confrontation, whether it's just verbal with our, within our own personal lives with our own family members there, you know, there's there's those moments where you, know, you just want to make that nasty comment you want to, you, or do you want to return the, the nasty comment that was given to you? And that's what I love about this practice is it, it teaches you and you learn to be able to kind of step back and, you at any point in there's an argument or or something in whatever situation like you have the power to like okay I can I can put the brakes on here yeah I can step back
0: I'm curious like what did your partner on patrol with you tell me a little bit about like what he was noticing from being an outside observer of all of this happening in that moment in the hotel room and maybe like what came what awareness maybe shifted for him about how to be in relationship with people and anger and tension?
1: Yeah, so no, that's a great question because he's at, he was he's not a meditator. He was not then and he isn't now. As far as I know, he might be because we, we started a program at the police department. So um, he actually was the one that mentioned as we walked away, he said, the guy and the woman, they're getting along better. They were joking when we left, mm. like all the tension was gone. But he was, I remember when it started heating up between me and the, and the subject. And I, I hear him get on, on the, on the radio to call for uh, backup because mm. he's like, okay, we're, we're about to get in a fight. And, and he's a, so he, and he was a new cop. He was like just off training, but he'd been a paramedic before. Like he was o- a little bit older. He's like, he's probably like 27 or 28. The, a lot of cops that we getting, they're starting out only like 22, 23 years old, so super mm. young, but he was a little bit older. He worked in public safety. as a paramedic, a good head on his shoulders and more inclined to talk to people and be open. Um, so, yeah, so he really, he really appreciated that and he he really got where I was going with it. And he was, uh, and that, that's the other thing about him. He's not like someone that's not the norm. Like these are skills that we all are, are trained in trained in and we do we de-escalate situations all the time I, I think there's a there's a misperception that that law enforcement in general like we go in and we escalate situations and we make we uh, we force uses of force and I mean of course that's happened in the past but generally speaking before a lot of this anti-police um, sentiment which 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 is valid mm-hmm. but before this I, I would say and because when I mention this now like we are the experts, at de-escalation because we constantly do it. It's just, it's not that well-known because when we de-escalate a situation and there's no use of force and everything's fine at the end, that doesn't make news. People don't become aware of it. Mm. But I, you know, early in my career, uh, just from call to call that you go on and I I love to see new officers making, uh, progressing this way. You become really good at solving problems between people and being able to step back and we, 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 all, we do it in calls all the time. We get, you, you go there and like, maybe it's a neighbor dispute or some other dispute and you sit back and you hear this person side. that you're detached. Fair. You hear this person's side of the story, this person's side of the story, you're the unentangled third the observer. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, well actually what you're saying, you can't do that. That's a violation of the law. Um, what you're saying, that's partly true. You can't do this. You can't do this. And then you, you mediate a thing. And I usually use that example when I'm teaching meditation to cops. I'm like, it's just like when you're on that civil call and you're the unentangled observer of the experience, you step back and you have no skin in the game. You're just trying to figure out what happened. Mm. You're not on this person's side. You're not on that person's side. You just want to get to the to the truth. What's really clear. What's really happening here. What's the truth of this situation. What's, what's the real issue going on, getting to that. And that's why when I started meditating, um, pretty early on and just observing my own mind, I'm re- as an unentangled third observer of my own thoughts and conditioning, I realized, oh, this this translates to everything else mm-hmm. that we do, not just in law enforcement, but any time you're dealing with, with anybody. And this is really training. You're training your brain and your mind to be more aware this way and not to get entangled in in emotions or negative thought patterns that aren't going to be helpful.
0: Mm. Yeah. Like, tell me a little bit more about how you were inspired to bring meditation and mindfulness into law enforcement and what that training looks like and, and even the benefits you're recognizing.
1: Yeah. So I started in, I started meditating probably six, seven years ago now. And um, I started mainly like a lot of people do because I was under a lot of stress. And, uh, I was in a, in a, I was in a, a specialized unit that was very, very, very high stress and actually, and I had person, you know, stuff in my personal life going on. And it was just, you know, all these things were just kind of accumulating. And I was visible to my Lieutenant at the time. And he he said to me, he he was a Marine also. I'm, I'm, I'm a veteran of the Marine Corps also, So we're like we're very blunt with each other, right? So he says, "Hey, you're acting like an effing idiot. You're all your your mind's all over the place." He goes, "You need to get a hold of your mind." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" Mm. And he's he says, "Hey, you're gonna do this practice and read this book." And he gave me the book, um, "Mindfulness in Plain English." And come to find out, he's had like a pretty much lifelong meditation practice, uh, Zen Buddhist tradition. He he said, "Just do this." And it'll help you. So I just kind of wrote I'm like, okay. And I, I tried the, the practice. He told me how to do this, the basic breath focus meditation. And I was under a lot of stress for a lot of different things. And I realized, okay, this was helping me deal with the stress. I wasn't sleeping. It was helping me sleep. And then as that acute stress, the moment of that acute stress, those days passed. And I kept doing the practice because he, he was very adamant. He goes, you need to do this consistently every day if you can't if you, if you don't have time to sleep you do this instead if you don't have time to work out you do this instead you cannot skip a day and so as i kept doing this over you know a month or so i realized that as that acute stress issue had passed away and, and moved on i realized like, i'm more focused i'm generally calmer um, i'm ni- i'm a nicer person to be around to my family and loved ones. And I said, this is making me, you know, this is making me better at my job. It's almost it's also just making me better at life in general.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I was very, very fortunate that, um, I started in the, in the practice. i have been going for about maybe two or three months. And then I read, um, Dan Harris's book, 10% happier. And I read about the retreat at spirit rock. I've heard about Joseph Goldstein and I heard about, uh, uh you know, Jack Cornfield, and, my lieutenant at the time, he said, Hey, that retreat in the book, that's at spirit rock up in um, Marin. And he goes, put in for that retreat. He goes, it's a lottery. You won't get it, but get your name in there. And then I put in for it. And within six months of my practice, I got into that retreat, the July insight meditation retreat. And so I was very fortunate to be able to go to uh you know, a ten-day-long vipassana meditation retreat, which really moved my practice forward, and I was with Joseph Goldstein, and um, Kamala Master, and um, Greg Scharf was the other was the other teacher.
0: Oh, Greg! I just Greg was my teacher um, on this month-long retreat that I went. Oh, out. awesome! Yeah, yeah, he's
1: he's awesome.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and uh, and it was it that retreat during that retreat. I think it was after one of, it was after one of the talks, I think it was, it was one of the morning, one of the, the morning instructional section. And Joseph was talking about something. And I was not really supposed to write notes, but I was writing notes down. And I just, I thought like cops need to do this. Hmm. Like all, all the things we we're just talking about, like stepping back. I'm like turning inward, understanding your mind, understanding your conditioning, unentangled observer, all those things. I'm like, cops need to do this. Like they they need to know about they need to know about this. This practice was so helpful to me, and then so when I came back from that retreat, I told uh, I told my lieutenant I said we let's let's start a program at the police department and uh, that that's how I got started and really wanting to to teach meditation or to present it to cops, but also you know like anything else, when you try to teach something you are it levels up your level of understanding, especially when you have to try and explain something to somebody. And and then the other interesting thing too, not to get off on a side tangent, but, and you've probably seen this yourself, it's like not being overly identified as a teacher. Oh, I'm a teacher, I'm an instructor. And the whole ego thing with that too, that's been interesting over the past year or so. But um, mm. that's how I was really, just from my own direct experience and then going, hey, like cops need, cops need to do this. And then it's progressed to, I've, I've been able to do a lot of stuff with veterans Pleasantly surprised to see a lot of veterans that I teach classes to now, guys that are coming out, there's a handful of them in a class of maybe 20 people, maybe two of them, that already have a practice that they learned uh in the military. It's mm-hmm. being presented being presented there.
0: That's you know. awesome. Not only were you open to exploring a practice, it's as you said, normally stress or something heavy or shitty in our life is happening that brings us to be more curious about starting a meditation practice, which is always, I'm always like, why do we wait until we have so much pain and struggle and suffering in our life to begin? But that's, I think, our human conditioning. And then that you were able to listen to yourself and notice, wow, this has made such a transformation in my own life. This needs to be brought to other police officers and Now you're getting to share this with veterans and first responders. It's so amazing. What are some of the benefits that the people that you're working with are experiencing?
1: This is a tough community to present this to. It is really really tough. And I, I think that part of the problem has been the way it's been presented to first responders or to law enforcement in general, just it's presented to them in a way and it, honestly it's our problem it's our problem for not being open minded enough and just like you said it's usually not until you really have a problem where you're like i'll try anything mm-hmm. is uh, you know especially like i don't want to have to take pills that's a, a big thing with a lot of veterans like i'll try anything and then when you're suffering then you're, you're more open to it so going back to the question it's been very slow Going, um, but what I have definitely seen is a handful of officers at my agency that have taken to the practice. It's had uh, for some of them, it's had profound benefits, and not just officers because we have civilian staff also. That, that honestly, it's usually it's mostly the civilian, non-sworn staff that come to the training that or that really take to it. And I've had several of them tell me that you know the practice has changed their lives, and it's it's helped them save their relationships with their with their loved ones, with their, with their children, just for, you know, the things we're talking about being able to kind of step back and not say that nasty thing. I think the problem in the, in the past with trying to present this to law enforcement, if you, if you make it a mandatory class, mm. the first one when they when they go in, they go meditation and mindfulness, they're going to roll their eyes and then they're just going to be closed off to it. So the way we've approached it, it's been, you know, just voluntary open. Hey, we have, we have two 30 minute drop in, uh, sessions a week. if you want to know more about it, you can check in with either one of us, the lieutenant or myself for for the handful of officers that have that have done it, they've I feel like it's really helped them be more. It's helped them to relate to experience better because there's so much points of stress in the job of law enforcement and not just the working on the street. it's a lot of political stuff going on, agency organizational, Related stuff. There's a lot of, uh, you know, I'm just thinking of my um, old detective partner. He just and he really took to the practice. And our organization hasn't hasn't been super fair to him. I'm glad that he had this practice to go back on, Mm -hmm. and to stay grounded and centered and realize like realize like don't let these organizational political things bother you. You are like you're where you're supposed to be. It'll things will happen for you. Now I'm teaching new recruits before they go to the academy. They get a, an hour block on meditation, and I just started teaching a 30-minute block. So all new deputies and officers in my county, they, once they complete the academy, they go to a week-long crisis intervention course that is designed for dealing with people with um, uh, clients they come into contact with with mental illness, so understanding, and it's it's very, it's very comprehensive. So we've added, a, and there's an officer wellness portion to it. So those, those past two academies, I've taught a 30 minute class on meditation and, um, the student reviews it that come back, you know, it's probably again, out of maybe 40 people, there's like seven or eight that they write a comment. Like, this is awesome. Like, I'm so glad I got this and little, little bits and pieces like that. And oftentimes They've heard about meditation, they've heard about mindfulness i don't know exactly what it is uh you know in using our terms and law enforcement, ah, that's that's hippie stuff like I don't want to mm-hmm. wear Birkenstocks stocks and burn incense <laughs> like I don't know, and I'm like it's not it's not about that it's not necessarily about that, but I always joking like you get into this, you'll see what there's a purpose behind incense and there's a purpose behind a lot of these different things. But anyway, um,
0: there's a purpose behind the Birkenstocks. Yeah. (laughs) Birkenstocks. I don't know. They're just very comfortable shoes. Yeah, exactly. You're totally right. And I think it's gateway to just exploring themselves, right? It becomes a place of, you know, for me in my practice, it became a place of necessity. Sounds like just similar to yours when extremely stressed and anxious and overwhelmed and, to a place of then deepening, right? And then training the mind. And then for me, my practice over the last few years has actually become more spiritual, which before I was like, no, I would never, you know, think of my (laughs) meditation practice as spiritual. I think of it as like functional, like this is my Mm. daily medicine and dose. So it's been interesting just to see my own journey expand and shift. I'm curious, Jeff, how do you use your mindfulness practice to transition from, wearing your uniform to wearing your everyday human civilian clothes
1: that's an interesting question funny enough so i was in i haven't really thought about it very interesting though i was in a a retreat last year with philip Moffat, and i was very fortunate philip Moffat was was one of the teachers i had regular interviews with and so Mm -hmm. i talked about my background of course and he said he said I'm talking about some stuff he goes oh he goes well you're talking about being open and you're talking about being being compassionate and and available that's one of his his Mm -hmm. i stole that from him but he said you can't do that you can't be like that when you're at work you need to he goes he didn't say a suit of armor he goes think about it as as like putting on on a space suit Mm -hmm. so that you because you have to you have to protect yourself and i realized that we have this question is that especially in the job I'm doing now, uh, I'm working in our mental health liaison unit so um, especially in the job I'm doing now, I don't think I do a good enough job in separating those mm. things because I just feel uh, I feel like in in the especially in the uh, current assignment I have to be like really open and I probably leave myself a little bit more vulnerable than I should so what I do is when I I've been a detective for so long. I don't wear a uniform anymore. So, but um when I do when I when I come home and I do my I usually do I meditate usually a couple times a day and always before I go to sleep. When I sit there and thoughts about the day or you know images come in, I'm able to just kind of let those let those go. And I I just feel like when I I can sit there and recenter, come back to I'm really on this practice of um, awareness of awareness, awareness of consciousness and being able to settle into consciousness. When I can do that, I feel like I can, not like I'm trying to push anything away, but I can just be there. I feel very reconnected and very strong. It's, it's mm-hmm. this feeling of like strength and like, okay, all this crazy stuff happened and I'm good. Like, okay. So I'm back centered. It's hard, hard to explain. And I just, mm-hmm. I feel, I feel strong. I feel like okay, I I I got it. I can I can I can deal with this. And I, the other thing, you know, thinking about you know being centered, coming back and centering on my own moral code or my own ethics or my own reasons for this. You know, especially in this job, there's there's days I get to work and I'm like, I'm gonna retire. I'm 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 done with this. Like, why am I, why do I keep subjecting myself to this? Like, I continuously, like, you know. And, and again, it's not just not just clients that we're dealing with, it's political stuff and, Mm -hmm. and organizational stuff. And then when I can sit at night or whenever I have time to, especially during my formal meditation, let that go and come back like, I'm strong. And this is a reason why I am, this is my purpose here. I'm trying to, I want to help people. um, And all the other stuff doesn't really matter. You can get back and and get back on track and be centered on your, your morals and your ethics and, yeah. you know, to to use a, a military term, like to get back on the objective, mm-hmm. to get back on mission, we used to call it Charlie Mike, continue mission. You get yes. some crazy engagement or something and you get off track and like, all right, hey, Charlie Mike, we got to continue mission we' we can't get, we can't get caught up in this. We have to kind of, we have to keep going this way. Mm-hmm. And so I would, yeah. So that's kind of a long way to say that's, that's really how I, I use the practice is to just recenter at the end of the day, basically.
0: I love that. And you're, you're saying you recenter by connecting back to your why. It sounds like grounding into your values, your language of of ethics, your moral code, back on mission, kind of and not getting caught up by all the bureaucracy or all of the maybe trauma that you've experienced or the, you know, words that were exchanged or the visuals that you saw that day at work, but like coming back to like, Oh yeah, this is my mission in life. This is my purpose.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And I'd also just love to acknowledge you and say and maybe challenge a belief there if you're noticing your vulnerability like maybe that's your superpower you know maybe it's not you being too vulnerable maybe you expressing the vulnerability through your space suit you know or or (laughs) invisible armor that you're wearing is actually a superpower and I'm just thinking of like how we can all be doing that more In life, whether it's in corporate, whether it's to a stranger on the street, whether it's to a family member, like, what would it be like for us to all kind of let down our guard more and be more vulnerable?
1: I think that's a great point, because especially in law enforcement, officers, you you get so cynical and afraid to, you know, let your guard down or, or, um, you know, emotionally like let your guard down. And I think, yeah, I, I, I like the way that you, you said that and you, you challenge that idea. It's like, it is Um, you have to have that a certain amount of vulnerability. You putting yourself out there. So of course you're going to, you know, it's, if, if I, if I equate it to the more the, like the tactical side of law enforcement, you just have to go to these things. It's not see like you might get hurt. You might get killed, but, the other option is that you don't do anything but you have to you have to assume a certain amount of risk mm. right so i think we don't we don't think of that emotionally mm. or mentally right i, I think we're just talking about it more now in law enforcement but um yeah
0: yeah just as you said that right the risk it is like to share and show our emotions does feel like a risk what a gift feeling and seeing our emotions is even if it's overwhelming or unpleasant because just like you experienced in the beginning of our conversation and talked about anger it's like right being able to notice it label it helps us decide if we want to be attached to our anger or emotion or not and then give us that choice point right to come back to our center to come back to our why to come back to our ethics, our moral code, right? Of, of how we want to be showing up in whatever situation that may be.
1: Perfectly put. And you really have to train. you really have to practice because especially something like anger. And I, you know, I catch myself still all the time. Sometimes that you, you, I see the anger and I'm like, I'm on, I'm on the anger train and um, I'm not getting off. Here I go. I'm like, I know I should jump off here, but I, I don't want to, or, you know, I I feel like I'm going to get some satisfaction if I don't. It's, it's hard enough with with you know, a certain amount of training and practice, but that's why you, you really do have to train. I mean, and one of the things that I, how I approach this with, with law enforcement and military folks is that, uh, you know, the mind is the primary weapon system, so to speak. It's primary to everything. You process and understand and experience everything through the mind, so it only makes sense it should be trained you train everything we train all all this other stuff we train we physically train the body we do all you know defensive tactics and firearms and all this all this stuff but uh you know i I tell guys like we could go to the range and we could shoot for two weeks straight and get really really super fast and really really good and be able to hit a a target at 50 yards in under two seconds from the holster but all that skill is completely worthless if you shoot someone at you shouldn't have shot or you shoot someone on an accident. You shoot, you make that shot on, on, on somebody that's um, not justified or hidden as a person. It's completely worthless. You'd be better off of not have ever been doing that training. It all, it all starts with the mind. It's a command center. It's the primary thing in the, in, the, in our training. I say, you need to get your mind right. You know, what, you know, what does that mean? And it's something like, I think military folks, and law enforcement folks, especially uh, former Marines like myself, like, Our platoon sergeants, our squad leaders have said, like, but before we're gonna do something, hey, get your mind right, get uh get focused or get your mind right because we're 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 about to, you know, need to be really focused on tasks.
0: So good. Yeah. I mean, I noticed like managing irritability or just anxiety, being able to feel it, to label it, to to see it and when and where it shows up, right, gives me that own freedom to then choose how I want to respond and come back to my center. So it's for everybody. And what a gift, Jeff, that you are sharing this training with your communities and what an impact you are having. And even, you know, if there are certain seeds being planted for the people who aren't really interested, you are still planting seeds and those will be sprouted on their own time. So thank you for not only your own practice, but sharing your practice.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for inviting me on the podcast. And then, you know, I don't know if you mentioned, we both went through the Trained Mindfulness, Trained Mindfulness Facilitators Program back in 2019. And uh, I've always appreciated your enthusiasm and your practice and your willingness to put yourself out there, especially with, with our connection calls and the driving force behind that. It's, it's greatly appreciated.
0: Oh, thanks, Jeff. I appreciate that. Where can people learn more about you and your work and what you're up to?
1: Yeah. So you can check out our website, com. It has uh, information about the types of courses that I teach and where those are available. Check out the Instagram, Takeda underscore training underscore concepts. So we are, if you're local, if you're a veteran or a first responder local to Ventura County, Moore Park area, we do a, a regular 30-minute um, drop-in every Thursday, live in person, completely free to, to vets and first responders. You, know, you can hit us up on, you can shoot me an email from my website or direct message the Instagram account. I'm doing that with the uh, Veteran Mentor Project, which is a veteran nonprofit in Ventura County. We do that. Uh, we also will be... Live cast that live on Instagram. We're probably going to start doing it on uh, YouTube live. So yeah, mainly go to TakedaTrainingConcepts.com or the Instagram. It has all the info there. And I'm also, I'm doing hour long online intro to meditation courses with Embassy Consulting uh, out of Long Beach, California. And there's a link on my website there as well
0: awesome yeah check out all that goodness and thank you again jeff for being here and being vulnerable and sharing your wisdom and your insights
1: awesome thank you so much wayne appreciate it
0: thanks so much for listening to the center in the city podcast if you know somebody in your community who could benefit from listening to this episode give it a share we know that sharing is caring Also, if you are inspired to leave a review or share your comments, they are welcomed and encouraged. They help to get this podcast into more people's hearts and ears. Thanks again for being here and until next time, stay centered.